Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Well, how many's got their Bible today? Yeah, well, that was four of us. How many's got our Bible today? Well, let's make our confession. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind's alert. My heart's receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, somebody shout amen. amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. It's good to see you, Frank. I didn't get to say hey to you between worship and now. But it's good to see you. I love you. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to jump around in what we might call the Christmas story. Maybe you'll learn a few things that you didn't know before. Maybe you're a know-it-all and you already know it. No, that's all right. Some of us think it, right? Amen. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. No, I'm just playing with you. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to jump around. We won't be necessarily going in chronological order. I want you to see what I saw. Thank God that he speaks to men and women. Amen? And he's speaking to you. Amen? And if you want to hear from God, all you got to do is ask. Amen? And so I was in a time of prayer, and the Lord put this on my heart. And I want you to see what I saw, what he showed me, that there are many seekers. Someone say seeker. There are many seekers. And I want you to see in what we call the Christmas story, there's many types of seekers. Some we never want to become. And then some seekers we want to completely imitate. Amen? Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 is where I want to begin. We're going to read two portions in our Bible today, Matthew 2, and then we're going to go to Luke 2. We're basically going to read a chunk of Scripture, and then we're going to go back and look at it. I found that's kind of like my teaching style, and it kind of works in at least my mind how that works. So just journey along with me through a couple verses here, and uh, we'll get started. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, those who seek. Verse 1, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying... Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Verse 4. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Verse 5. When they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Ju Judah, and not the least among, or, or, excuse me, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Verse 7, When Herod, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till he came and stood over where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Verse 12, Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. There are those who seek. The first seeker I want you to see is this. Say out loud with me, the curious. That's the first seeker that we see. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, the curious. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, behold, wise men from the east. They saw his star. Verse 2. Who are these wise men? 
We don't know a whole lot about them. And this is just a good rule of thumb. The wise men, we, how many, you know, how many have seen the three wise men, right? We three kings of Orient. But we don't really know a whole lot about the wise men. And I'm not going to try to just destroy your nativity uh, set at home. Don't go home and just throw it in the trash. I'm not saying do that. But we don't know a whole lot about these wise men. We don't know if there were three or 300. We don't know whether they came from the Orient or Babylon. We don't really know much anything about them other than they were wise men. Now, that's a real polite way of saying astrologers. In fact, the Greek word magi, anyone ever heard that, magi? That Greek word is only used two other times in the New Testament. So out of three times it's used, one time it's translated wise men. The other time in Acts 13 it's translated sorcerer. So these cats are a little bit interesting. They've come from the east. They got some gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So when they come, they're the kind of people you want to invite. They bring a housewarming gift, and they bring a big one. Because this gift probably financed the entire travel of Joseph, Mary, and Jesus to Egypt, living in Egypt, and then coming back. You know, the Bible says that a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, and the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. And so the Lord had laid up inheritance for his only begotten son so that he could have travel to Egypt and back. Now, these wise men, they were curious. They're probably like the same guys that Daniel, you remember? Daniel in the lion's den, right? And then he's got three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They won't bow, they get cast into the fiery furnace. But the only thing that's cooking is the guards that threw them in. They come out unsinged. Now, they're surrounded by other astrologers, sorcerers, soothsayers, people who watch the stars. So we don't really know a whole lot about these guys other than that they're curious. Do you know there's some people that seek Jesus because they're curious? I got a lot of ring. I don't know if you're manipulating that. I got a lot of ring. A lot of ring. There are some people that are curious. Maybe you're here today and you're curious. But it's not enough just to be curious. When you seek Jesus, you need to be sold out. There's some people that play around with the, the things of God, kind of show up, hang out, oh, this is neat, but they never commit. You know, the Bible, actually, Jesus warns us to not be a sign seeker. Jesus tells us, and he actually rebukes the Pharisees in Matthew 12, 38. Let me read this to you. It says this, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. It's okay to be curious, but that curiosity should lead to commitment. Because if all you do is seek for a sign will become an evil and adulterous generation. In fact, Mark 16, 17 tells us that signs follow believers. So we shouldn't be sign seekers. We should be signs that follow us. I was going to say sign followers, but we're not sign followers. Instead of seeking signs, signs seek us. Instead of seeking signs, children of God moving in the power of the Holy Spirit, signs seek us. Because it's not enough just to be curious. Now, I don't want to beat up these guys again. We don't know a whole lot about them. But we do know this. Verse 2, Matthew 2, 2. We're going to look at these verses kind of point by point. Verse 2, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. Numbers 24, verse 17 says this. This is Balaam. He was a strange guy. He was a prophet of God that sold his ministry out for riches and died with the enemies of Israel, backslidden. Numbers 24, 17, though, he prophesies this. I see him, referring to Christ, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tumult. Balaam, this prophet back in the Old Testament, who was hired by Balak, a wicked king, to destroy or to curse Israel so that he could destroy them in battle, finds out that whomever God blesses, 
cannot be cursed. Won't you say this? Say, uncursable. If you're blessed by God, you are uncursable by any other entity or power. You know, I, I don't want to, it's not in my subject at all. And I know we have a dinner afterwards, so I can co- hold you to about 1.30 and you still promise to eat lunch, right? Why do we do that? It's not what I'm talking about, but let me just be real honest, real sincere. The blood of Jesus is enough. Good, 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 real good Christian folk sometimes can get caught up in things like such as, well, there's a generational curse on me. What curse is stronger than the power of the blood of Christ? And do you love me? That was some of you. I'll take it for granted for the others. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Some things us Christian folks spiritualize oftentimes is just bad habits we don't want to give up. Because if you keep planting seeds, you're going to keep getting a harvest. Amen. It's amazing. I keep cooking. I keep baking. You don't cook cookies. You bake cookies. I keep baking sugar cookies, and they keep disappearing. And then I wake up the next day, and I'm two ounces heavier. And it's been something that's been happening for the past two weeks, and I can't figure it out. But if I keep doing the same thing, I'm going to keep getting the same thing. There is no curse greater than the power of the blood of Christ. And when you enter into the family of God, whatever generational curse may have been on your natural family has been severed because you're now adopted into the family of God. And you've entered into these things. So Balaam finds out you can't curse what God has blessed. But then he prophesies. He starts blessing Israel instead of cursing Israel three times. And then he says, man, I'm on a roll. And he prophesies of the coming king of Christ Jesus. And he says, his star will come out of Jacob. And that's what these astrologers, sorcerers, soothsayers, magi, wise men saw. They're out looking at the stars. So it's obviously we can infer and have it that they do. You know, you don't notice that stars change unless you know where they were to begin with, right? I was always so impressed of people that could look up and say, oh, there's the Big Dipper, the Little Dipper, this, that, that, that. And I'm like, okay, if I look. I couldn't quite see it the way they saw it. I just saw a bunch of, you know, bright dots in the sky. But they noticed something here. Isaiah prophesies in 60 verse 3, The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your shining. The star of Christ is still shining, not naturally, but spiritually. And when you lift up Jesus, He has promised He will draw all men and women unto Him. He will draw you and I lift up. Matthew chapter 5, John 8, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. But then you go to Matthew chapter 5 and Jesus says, you're the light of the world. Why? Because He who is light indwells in you. And then you just light up. I don't, you've never probably done this, but if you stick a flashlight in your mouth, you know, you, your cheeks will shine. I know you've never done that. That's silly. I don't know who would do that. If you, if you put your flashlight on there, your cheeks will burn, you know, shine red. If you put light inside, it's going to flicker out. And even so, now today, people are seeing the light of Christ as we lift him up. How many is going to be faithful to lift up Jesus Christ? Now, look at this. Matthew 2, verse 9. They go to King Herod. You know, King Herod, this is Herod the Great. It's actually a little confusing. You kind of have to slow down because there's a bunch of Herods in, in the New Testament. Not Harry's, Herods. There's a bunch of Herods in the New Testament. Herod the Great, then he's got a nephew, Herod Antipas, and then he's got a son, Herod King Agrippa I, and then a King Agrippa II. And so when you're reading, you think, how long does Herod guy live? But there's four or five of them. This is Herod the Great. And he is telling the wise men, he calls up the chief priests and scribes, and he gets some information, then he tells the wise men, we found out that this king you're searching for is going to be born in Bethlehem. You go find him, bring, you know, text me back the GPS location, and then I'm going to go find him so I can worship. That was a joke. They didn't have GPS. They had to print it off on MapQuest. <laughs> he said, when you find that king, you come back to me and tell him because I want to worship him. Of course... He's telling a fib, isn't he? Verse 9. When they heard the king, they departed. Now notice here. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them. This is a strange star. It moves. I've never seen... I mean, you may see, maybe see a shooting star, but this one's moving. 
So whether it was a star that's in the sky right now that came unhinged and God moved it as needed, or whether it was a specific star that was created and came about at the birth of Christ and led these men here, I don't know, but this star is moving. Which means they didn't go to Bethlehem. Bethlehem is where Jesus is born. You jump over to Luke 2. At this point, Jesus is a more than one year old, maybe as old as two years old, and he's in Nazareth. Because it says in verse 9, he's a young child. Notice this. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Laura and I were talking about this a few years back. She said, well, what about these wise men? I don't know if I should put them up in the nativity. We got them on a shelf. I said, put everybody here on this shelf and put the wise men on the shelf over here. They're coming along. Because they show up when he's a young child. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And they go in and they worship. They were following the star. They were curious. They saw something different. And then they worshiped. Again, I'm not trying to take away from them. But at the end of the day, be more than a star follower. Be more than a sign seeker. Be someone who encounters God. The second seeker I want you to see is this. In Matthew 2, look at verse 4. These wise men, they show up to King Herod's court. King Herod says, now wait a minute. The only king I know about is this king, my favorite king, me. I don't know about any other king around here. So notice verse 4, when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So he calls the head of the Sanhedrin, this Pharisee and Sadducee council, these head Jews and studiers of the Old Testament law and of the prophets. I mean, they knew the prophets and the law front and back. So when King Herod says to the chief rulers and Pharisees, the religious people, someone say religious. The religious people, he calls them and says, these guys who've come a long way, a long way, they're looking for a king. Who are they talking about? They don't have to go dig through annals. They don't have to go unroll scrolls. They say, oh, yeah, we know exactly who they're talking about. Verse 5, so they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it's written by the prophet. And then they quote Micah 5, 2. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The second type of seeker we see in what we call the Christmas story are knowers, but not doers. These chief rulers, these religious people, they knew the scripture, but they didn't care. Oh, yeah, we know exactly where he's going to be born, other than Bethlehem. It doesn't tell us that they packed their bags and went with the wise men. They just kept hanging around doing their religious stuff. Oh, we're waiting on the Messiah. Well, it sounds like he's born over here. Nah, probably not and just hanging out doing their religious stuff. In fact, what you see right here is the danger of having a head faith and not a heart faith. The Word of God will not change your life if it just lives up here. It's got to get down in here. Turn with me. I I, I fibbed here like King Herod. Turn with me to Hebrews 4 verse 2. I was only going to have you go to Matthew 2 and Luke 2, but Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. Hebrews 4. In fact, we'll start at verse 1. Speaking of the people of Israel who are given to us as an example, so we could even apply it to these chief rulers and Pharisees, Hebrews 4, verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So there's a promise that we could come short of. So we allow the fear of the Lord to propel us into the things of God. Verse 2, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, the people of Israel in the Old Testament. Notice this, but the word which they heard did not profit them. It carried no power. Why? not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. You remember the 12 spies when when the people of Israel coming out of Egyptian bondage? A few weeks later, they show up to the promised land. A few weeks later, they're at the promised land. A few weeks later, they're at the promised land. 
Twelve spies go out, they come back, and they say, it's just like God says, full of milk and honey. I still haven't seen a river full of milk, but full of milk and honey. We brought back some grapes, and they're so big, two guys got to carry them. And then ten of the spies who are filled with doubt and unbelief and bring up a wicked report say, the Lord is right. It's wonderful. It does have giants. It does have walls, and we can't take it. The good, faithful report of Joshua and Caleb is, they're right. It is wonderful. It does have walls. It does have giants. God said we could, so we can. Everybody heard the same word, but only some mixed it with faith. And the danger of knowing the word of God is knowing it, but not letting it get in your heart to where it changes your life. And that's what these chief rulers and priests, they were seekers who knew but did not act. James chapter 1, verse 22, many of us know it, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. You know, it's one thing to have someone lie to you because you kind of, you know, you only know what you know, right? Naturally speaking, you only know what people tell you, you know, in relationships, right? You only know what people tell you or what you can see or what you hear unless the Lord reveals something. That's one thing to be deceived by someone. It's a whole other level of deception when you deceive yourself. It's one thing to be lied to. It's another to lie to yourself and buy the lie. And anybody who hears the word of God and does not mix it with faith, does not live by it, does not let his truth become your truth, they are self-deceived. And the dangerous thing about deception is when you're deceived, you don't know it. You go on, verse 25 in James 1, it says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, practices it, lives it out, and is not a forgetful hearer. Anybody a forgetful hearer? Not concerning the word of God, just in natural things. I am sometimes. I'm also a selective hearer, apparently. Laura has told me, you, you heard that, didn't you? No, I didn't hear that. Oh, no, 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 no. A forgetful hearer? But a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. You know, the wise men, they were curious. We don't really know their relationship with God. They were just seeking this star. But at least they actually got to the place where Jesus was. These Pharisees, these chief rulers, these people who studied the Scripture, eh, complacent. Didn't, they didn't even bother to go see if this really was the Messiah whom we and our fathers, and our fathers, and our fathers, and our fathers, all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 when God prophesied, though the serpent may bruise his heel, he will crush his head. They didn't bother. They knew it, but they didn't act on it. Do not be a knower, but not a doer. Be a doer in Jesus' name. I see you being a doer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now look at this, Matthew 2 verse 13. This is the last of the seekers we should not be. And then we're going to get to where we should be. Who should we be? Those who seek. Last one I want you to see of who we should not be like. Matthew 2, verse 13. Now when they had departed, these wise men, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child, his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Jump down to verse 16. When Herod finds out these wise men aren't coming back, that he's been played, because the wise men, they too, are commanded by God. Divinely, go another way home. Verse 16, then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived or made a mockery of by these wise men, he was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and he put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its districts from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. That's why we know that Jesus was more than just being born because he starts at two years and younger. And just as a side note, and and Pastor was talking to me about this, uh, how many is thankful for the teachings he's been given? Guarding your heart against false gods, amen? There's these different types of ways that Satan moves in the the earth. And one of them he hasn't gotten to yet, but one of them is this, this Molech, this God that desires sacrifice of children. Satan loves to hurt children. And let me just say this. I'll just make this very plain. 
uh, our church, we love children. We care for children. We're going to teach children the Word of God. How many love children? Amen? We're going to teach the Word of God and instruct our children. Because for such as them is the kingdom of God. That's how you enter in with childlike faith. And we will not stand for anything that happens. It will not happen in our church. Children will never be hurt in our church in Jesus' name. We will protect them by whatever means. Is that a threat? It is a promise. I stand before you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Children will not be hurt here in Jesus' name. Because Satan loves to attack children. And you see it all through Scripture. Satan, one of his prime ways to do that is just kill them before they even begin in life. That's what he did. This third type of seeker we see are the angry. Man, this is shaping up to be a real good Christmas message, isn't it? The angry. But there are some seekers, they seek Jesus out of anger. Jesus said this. He said, if they didn't accept the master, why do you think they'll accept the student? And then he reassures you, if they hated me, they'll hate you. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Jesus said, anyone that will follow me, whatever he gives up, I'll restore it in this life a hundredfold with persecutions. Acts chapter 5, verse 41, the apostles, the disciples, they left after being beat up, verbally, physically assaulted. They left happy, jumping, joyful, because they were counted worthy to bear shame for his name. There are some that seek because they're angry. There are some that seek because they want to destroy. But this is what Psalms 37, let me read it to you. This is the promise that God makes. Psalms 37, 35. I've seen the wicked in great power like Herod the Great and spreading himself out like a big giant green bay tree. Verse 36. Yet he passed away. And behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, the wicked man, and he could not be found. There may be some that are angry, that some that seek to destroy, and they have two opportunity, They have two options. Either repent, just like you and I, repent, believe on Jesus and be changed, or God will snuff them out. Verse 37, mark the blameless man and deserve the upright, for the future of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. The Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked, save them because they trust in Him. I can't help but think about Joseph and Mary and the Lord Jesus Christ. They're given a word by an angel to flee to Egypt. They are protected. And while Herod the Great is trying to to destroy him, they just simply waited out in Egypt completely provided for. And Herod the Great dies, and they move back. They move on back home. Because the Lord protects His own. I saw this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. It tells us this, that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We know that. But if you read to verse 17, it says this, and anyone that will touch His temple, God will defend. God is defending you in Jesus' name. You are a temple of the Holy Ghost. And anyone that touches his temple, God, Exodus 15, 3, the man of war, shows up on the scene. And when God fights a battle, we stand and see the salvation. Amen? Amen. I just wanted you to see that because that's, that's the reality. There are some, not everybody, but there are some that have set themselves against this gospel. And they will not stand. If you're here and that's you, repent. If you're listening, repent. Believe on Jesus. His mercy endures forever. But there will be no hand that stretches itself against the church of God, against the living almighty God, and it will not be destroyed in Jesus' name. All right, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. All right, couple seekers that you and I, we should be like, imitate, and leave today saying, that's who I want to be. Luke chapter 2. Of course, the first, first seven verses, we see this is when Christ Jesus is born of a virgin, birthed 
into the earth, the only begotten Son of God by the power of the Holy Ghost, Him who the prophets prophesied of. It is amazing how many scriptures were fulfilled when Christ was born. It's beautiful when you look through the Old Testament. So many of them were brought to pass because the Word of God, when it's sent forth, it's like rain. It goes forth and it accomplishes what it's sent to do. It will not return void. And even though some of these words were spoken 700, 800, 1500, 4,000 years ago, in one night, it was completely brought to fruition when Christ was born. Now, verse 8 is where I want you to see this. I can hear, is it Linus on Charlie Brown? Is he the guy with the blanket? Linus, I can hear him right now. We just watched it the other night. Charlie Brown Christmas. I can hear him reading this part right here. Verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Verse 10. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. It's the first thing every angel says to anybody. (laughs) Don't be afraid. Something must be fearful about when they show up, holy and just. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Verse 15, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. That's pretty common sense, isn't it? Heaven busts wide open, an angelic choir comes out, gospel music, Hammond B3 organ, bass going real loud. They start singing gospel songs. They sing this song. They get done, head back into heaven, and the shepherds look to one another and they say, I guess we should probably check out what they were singing about. So they decide to go check out what they're singing about. Verse 16, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Verse 17, Now when they had seen him, they made him widely known, saying, Which was told them concerning this child? Verse 20, drop down, verse 20, The shepherds returned glorifying, praising God for all the things which they had heard, seen as it was told them. The, the fourth seeker we see today is this, the hearer, the seer, and the sharer. It's all one person. The shepherds, they heard what the angels said. They saw, not just the angelic host, but Christ Jesus born. And then they went about telling everybody what they heard the angels say and what they had seen. You know, you and I, We have to be not just hearers, not just hearers and seers, but hearers, seers, and sharers, sharing the gospel. The Lord Jesus Christ, Him who we're celebrating, Him that was born in a manger, He was born that He could live, He lived so that He could die, He died so that He could live forevermore, so that He could give you His life. He has commissioned you, and He has said, go into all the ends of the earth. A good place to start in order to go to the ends of the earth is right where you live and make disciples. The Lord Jesus Christ said in 2 Corinthians 5, 19, through the Spirit of the Lord, He said, you are ambassadors standing on behalf of God as if God Himself were speaking. He speaks through you. Acts 1, 8, He said, I will give you power to be a witness. See, really, if you really, 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 really are caught on to this gospel message and you've heard it and you've seen it in your life, the only logical, natural next step is you tell somebody. The shepherds didn't just hear and see and then go on home. They heard, they saw, and they told all of Jerusalem. They woke everybody up. They were glorifying God and praising God because what they heard and what they saw. Because it's not enough just to hear and see. You got to hear, you got to see, and you got to tell somebody. 1 Peter 3.15 tells us that we are to be ready at any given time to give an account for why we have faith in Jesus. 
At any time, at any moment, any person, if they ask you, why do you believe? You have to be able to say, this is why I believe. I believe. I believe. And you, and you work on that personal testimony. Work on uh, understanding the Word of God, why you believe. Because if your faith faints in the day of adversity, your strength is too small, the Bible tells us. So if at the point of someone questioning your faith with a very simple question kind of rattles you, maybe you need to strengthen up your faith so that what you have heard and what you have seen you can tell someone about. How many is going to be a sharer in Jesus' name? Because it's not enough just to hear and see. It's not enough. Now, Luke 2, we see those shepherds as we're coming to a close today. Some of y'all are looking at me hungry. We'll get ready. Here we go. Luke 2, verse 25. These are my two favorite, two favorite people in what I call the extended Christmas story. Simeon and Anna. Forty days after Jesus is born, according to Levitical law, the law of Moses, the law of God, they go for what is called the purification process. And Joseph and Mary and Jesus show up to the temple. 40 days after he's born. When they get there, they offer sacrifice and do do what is necessary according to the law in the book of Leviticus. Verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout. And And he was waiting, this man was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's another name for Christ, the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. Verse 28, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Simeon, this man, is the, the fifth seeker that we see in the Christmas story. He is someone that is called a waiter. Someone say waiter. When people hear the phrase, waiting on God, they think, I'm waiting on God. All right, Lord, any time now. Waiting on you. Come on, waiting on you. That's what my dad would say when I, when I help him work and he'd do something. He'd ask me to go get something, go get a wrench or something. I'm waiting. Come on, waiting on you. Come on, come on, hurry up, wait. But these types of waiters, those that wait on God, it's someone that seeks God. It's kind of like a waiter at a restaurant. Now, we all know, let's be honest, there's two types of waiters at restaurant. There's the kind you don't want, which are looking at their phone and hoping they don't make eye contact because then they'll have to come to your table. They come once. You're about to die of starvation and dehydration. They come once. Oh, I didn't know your drinks, your glass has been empty for 17 minutes now. Sorry about that. And you had flaming hot food you were eating. Right? But then there's the good ones. There's the, there's the good waiters and waitresses that we all love to have, right? That the moment you take a sip and you set it down, I, let me top that off for you real quick. You know, and, and, and I mean, they're real good. You take one bite and you're... And you put it in there and you start chewing. They, is everything good? You know, he's like, come back in a few minutes, I'll let you know. That's what this word means when it means to wait on God. Lord, is there anything I can do? What would you have me do? Because there's two waiters in the type of, at the banquet table of the kingdom of God. There are some waiters, I'll get to it in a minute, Lord. Don't make eye contact. He might ask me to do something. Ah, all right, finally, you want me to come over here? Okay, Lord. And then there's, what would you like me to do, sir? What would you have me do? I'll be happy to do it. Anything else I can do? I may not be talented. I may not be the swiftest or the gift, most gifted or the best looking, which, I mean, obviously, no, I'm just kidding. The best looking, but I'm available. I'll work. I'm faithful. And if someone else won't do it, Lord, I'll happily do it. 
Because those who wait on God, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, and when you seek me, you'll find me. When you search with me with all of your heart. Those that wait on God, see God. You know, your relationship with Jesus is completely dependent on you because Christ has done all he will do. And so the depth of your relationship is completely dependent on if you're willing to wait on God. Lord, I just want to serve you better. I want to know you more, Lord. I know there's a lot of things going on, but right now it's just me and you. Oh, and I want to know your voice. I want to know your heart. I want your will to be even more revealed to me than ever before. I want to go where you want me to go. I want to say what you want me to say. I want want to talk to the people you've reserved for me to talk to. I want to do what you would have me do so that at the end of my days I can hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's who Simeon was. He was a waiter. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the Messiah. He was waiting for redemption. Verse 26, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. Psalms 25, 14 says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Those who fear God, those who love God, that's who God reveals his secret things to. There is a place in God where you get information, revelation, that is not just handed out. And that is in the place of fearing the Lord, in submission to God, being sold out completely. That's who Simeon was. 1 John 1.1 says, We saw Christ, we heard Him, and we handled the truth. Simeon was the first person to fulfill that word where he literally handled the truth of God when he held the living God, King of Kings, Emmanuel, Lord of Lords, in His arms. All of Israel had been waiting, and He's holding that promise. He's looking at the Redeemer. He gets to bless Jesus in the flesh because He was waiting. He was seeking. Because those who wait are those who are led. Verse 27, Luke 2, So he came by the Spirit. Romans 8, verse 11 says, For as many are as led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. It is a covenant right of children to be led by the Spirit. Those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are children of God. They are sons of God. Not every prophet showed up when Jesus was in the temple. But Simeon did because he was led by the Spirit. Not everybody was there. Not the chief rulers in Matthew 2. They weren't there. They knew the Scripture, but they weren't living it. Simeon, he was there and beheld Christ and saw Him. We finish here in verse 36. It says this, And there was gone one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years. She's at total 84 years old. Who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Notice this, verse 38. And coming in that instant, what instant? The same time Simeon shows up. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, they come in. Jesus, he's just a baby. And even though the song says what? Though Jesus uh, awake, no crying he make, he cried. Come on. He was a real baby. So here is baby Jesus there, and Simeon shows up. And at the same moment, Anna's there. Verse 38, And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord, spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem, not the temple, in the whole city. Everyone... Him who we've been waiting for, He's here. I've seen Him with my eyes. I have been serving Him. The last seeker we see are those who serve. Those who serve. Anna is serving the Lord. She's all out. She's completely dedicated to the Lord. She has nothing left to give Him. She has given to the Lord all all she has her whole life. 
prayer, fasting in the temple. And look, lo and behold, at the time that redemption comes, she's there. Not lucky. She was just doing what she always does. Praying, fasting, serving the Lord in the temple. Because those that are faithful will see God. Those that commit themselves to the Lord, they'll see God. Psalms 27, 8. If you could, Mr. David, go ahead and get that music prepared for us. I want you to come to the altar with me today. Psalms 27, verse 8 says this. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Psalms 27, 8. Come to the altar with me today. Because I don't want this just to be a religious function and then we just go eat some food. And as wonderful as that is, and as great as that is, it's not enough. Because the Bible plainly tells us, when the Lord said to you, seek my face, the only proper response is, Lord, your face I will seek. As you come here, come in a spirit of prayer. Right now, as you're walking up, just begin to pray and worship the Lord. Begin to seek His face. Begin to give Him praise and adoration. O holy God of heaven, creator of all things, how we bless Your name, how we love You, how we sanctify You in our hearts through worship and praise and adoration. For truly, Lord, there is none like You. God, we desire to meet the Christ of Christmas, not just to enter into a seasonal or traditional or religious mode, We want to truly encounter the living God again and again and again and again. Lord, You have said, seek my face. Father, we turn to You with all that we are seeking Your face. Oh, we bless Your name. We give You glory and honor. That's it. Just begin to lift up worship to the Lord. Begin to love on Him in prayer and in worship. Lord, how we desire You and You alone. Lord, there is no other salvation that is found in anywhere but You, Lord God. It's what we need, Lord. It's what our marriages need. It's what our children, our parents, our families need, Lord God. It's what this city needs. It's what this church needs. It's what our nation needs. It's what the earth needs is the redeeming power of God, the overflow of the presence of the living God. It is Your love. It is Your majesty. It is Your glory that burst Heaven wide open when the King of glory came, born of a virgin some 2,000 years ago, Lord God. It is His presence. It is His glory. It is His majesty that we want ruling in the throne of our heart, Lord God. On the throne of our marriages and our families and in this church, Lord God. Let us be seekers who truly seek You with a heart sanctified to You, Lord God. Let us be people who love You more than any other person. Who desire Your truth and Your words above everything every other truth and every other word, Lord God. Oh, we set ourselves apart for You, Lord God. Holy unto You, Lord. Let us be found faithful, God. Let us be found serving. Let us be found waiting on You, Lord. For when You said, seek my face, our hearts said to You, Your face, Lord, we will seek. Pray this prayer with me, church. Say, Father, I seek Your face and Your face alone. For in You is all salvation, peace, joy, goodness forevermore. I sanctify myself unto You. I give myself to You, holy, leaving nothing to myself. I will wait on You to serve You, to follow You, to obey You in all that I do, in all that I think. In all that I say, make me a faithful seeker in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, while you're here today, if you're seeking Jesus and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, or at some point in time, call it whatever you want, you did, but you know you're not right with God. If you're here, the news is that whom you are seeking is here right now, the King of glory. And He would want nothing more. He died so that He might meet you, so that you might meet Him. 
If you're here and you've never believed on Jesus or you know you need to rededicate or commit your life to Christ once again, would you just slip your hand up if that's you? If that's you, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible tells us that Jesus said that if you will testify of me before men, that I will testify of you before my Father. So of those that raise their hands, I'm not doing this to shame you. I'm doing this to give you honor because you have made a bold commitment. Would you come right here in Jesus' name? Come right here where I'm standing right now. Give them a hand clap. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Michael and Andrew, right? Our whole church family is going to pray with you two guys, not because you don't know how to pray, but we want to pray with you. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe that Jesus, He is your Son. He was born, He lived, He died, and He's alive forevermore. And I confess, I say with my mouth, Jesus, You are my Lord. I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. What happened? The Bible tells us that when you prayed that prayer, something supernatural happened. It's amazing. You still look the same on the outside, but on the inside you were made brand new. A new creation. Every old, shameful, sinful thing was washed by the blood of Christ, and you've been made brand new. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, turn and face me in Jesus' name. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, be filled with the Spirit of God. May those easily besetting sins never come back again. And when they do, by the power of God, you will trample on them head to toe in Jesus' name. For the victor, Christ Jesus, indwells in you. Be filled with His peace and His joy forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. God bless you. I love you. We've got something for you before you leave, a special Christmas gift. Pray one more prayer with me, church family. Say, Lord, with everything I am, I love you. I'll never stop seeking. I'll seek you all the days of my life. And you are faithful to be found again and again. In Jesus' name, amen. How many is thankful for the goodness of God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you. And every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.